All right. Well, on a day where there were many, many storylines, I'm going to float one here that stood out to me, of course, as a Steelers fan, TJ Watt, putting himself in rare territory, uh, becoming the uh, second uh, all-time sacks leader in a person's first 100 career games. TJ Watt surpassing his brother, JJ Watt. So TJ has 88 career sacks in his first 100 games. JJ had 87 and a half. So now TJ has bragging rights. But the most telling part of that list, Mark, is that Reggie White is number one <laughs> I know, I, with 105 in his insane. first 100 career games. He averaged over a sack a game in his first 100 career games. So I was like, as impressive as this is for TJ Watt, and it is, um, I was just amazed. Reggie White is sitting there with 20 more than the yeah. other guys. Incredible. I love that. I love that stat when it was tweeted out. I, I really loved it because my instant thought was like, for guys like us who've only really ever saw Reggie play in highlights, right? Like he's yeah. just the generation right before we got into football. Um, that is such a great stat for like people like, you know, JJ Watt won four. What was it? Three defensive players, Three of the, defensive player of the year in yeah. a in a row, uh, had what probably the best like five year span of a player, a defensive player maybe in NFL history. J, uh, TJ Watt is a defensive player of the year winner, and if you watch him play, is an absolute menace. Yeah, Miles Garrett's on that list, and he's an absolute freak and game wrecker, and yeah. and and all of a sudden Reggie White was them and more. Like I mean, he yeah. was like that's how impressive. So. When you when you anyone talks about when one of the old, old heads talks about Reggie White and you young you know you young whippersnappers out there, understand the respect on the, on that name I mean, because that dude there's a reason why he is one of the top ten greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, you think about how great these players are that we just mentioned. Yeah, and he had twenty more. And sacks. in an era, in an era where it's easier to get sacks, it's easier to get sacks yeah. now than ever before because people are passing way more. You have way more opportunities. Offensive line plays way down. How many times did they actually throw the ball during Reggie White's era? Maybe you guys right. all yeah. maybe passing the ball twenty times a game, and he was getting a sack game. a game more than that. It's crazy. He's absolutely dominant. No, yeah, that's an extremely impressive list. And uh, happy for TJ Watt to see him get into that rarefied air. But uh, good block, stuff for sure. Block, and Reggie, very block Reggie White uh, for $20,000 or anything on any of those hypothetical <laughs> lists. We are not taking do anything against Reggie White. Uh, yeah. I would I would pay to not have to do. Uh, I would rather. Yeah, I'd rather I'd pay whatever it has to take to not block Reggie. Reggie White. 100%. Uh, yeah. But we mentioned what how many storylines are coming out of this past week, and one of what? them, of course, being the uh, bevy of down-to-the-wire finishes Crazy. this past week, with uh, a few of those coming with big implications and a couple others signaling uh, some returns, that of Kyler Murray, uh, and, uh, and we had some injuries this past week as well. We're going to get to it all coming up here on our full Week 10 recap. <laughs> Transform your body into a canvas of exquisite storytelling and profound self-expression with the skilled hands of Ryan Allison. Craft custom masterpieces that tell your unique story together. Ryan specializes in color tattoos as well as black and gray. He also practices a diverse range of styles. Whether you're passionate about anime, 
fantasy, mythology, pop culture, video games, movies, the esoteric, nature, creatures, dot work, black work, or you have your own ideas, Ryan embraces your distinct vision with an unwavering commitment to passion, precision, and originality. Each project he undertakes is a labor of dedication, a fusion of research, artistic ingenuity, and profound symbolism. His commitment to authenticity is nothing short of remarkable, infusing his very soul into every creation. From half and full sleeves to body suits, awesome back pieces, to majestic front panels, Ryan is the artist for anyone seeking powerful, breathtaking artwork. With every stroke of his needle, he weaves a tale that's as unique as you are. Don't settle for ordinary tattoos when you can elevate your ink to the extraordinary with Ryan Allison. Embark on your creative journey by booking a consultation with him and proudly exhibit your story on your skin. Visit Ryan at Why Not Ink Studio in North Park Mall or check out his portfolio online at ryanallison.art. Ryan Allison Tattoos. When you choose me, you're not just getting a tattoo, you're getting an experience. All right, welcome to the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan, part of the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Go check out all of the other shows there at fourfantasysakeqc.com. And of course, as always, we thank our sponsors, especially of the show here, Durham Remodeling and Ryan Allison Tattoos, uh, for helping uh, make all of this possible. So, Mark, we talked about the uh, epic game winners this past week, five of them uh, winning the game in last second fashion as time expired that is the most game winning uh decisions in a single week in nfl history per crazy after and uh, so that obviously tells you what kind of week this was and uh, we also had some you know uh downers from some teams some unfortunate losses and uh the afc north continues to be an absolute uh game record throughout the league so we're going to get to all touch on all of those and more uh, this upcoming week, uh, or, or I should say in this uh, episode here. So we'll start as always uh, with a, a quick mention of the Thursday night football game. We did a full recap of that uh, in our Friday episode. So go check that out if you want a more in-depth analysis, but the bears win 16 to 13. And now they've had a couple days to stew on it. Are there any other f- further thoughts uh, from this game before we get into the Sunday slate? No, the Bears were winners on Sunday again uh, with the Cardinals winning, Kyler Murray coming back. Kyler Murray did exactly what Justin Fields needs to do now co- coming here on out. You got to win games. You got to show up. You got to play good football. And so um, they, there's a lot of football left. You know, everyone's everyone feels like just because your team maybe isn't even going to make the playoffs, and most likely we know, even though there's mathematically not eliminated yet, teams like the Cardinals, the Bears, the Panthers, feel like they're out of the playoffs. There's a lot of dudes who are playing for a lot right now. And Kyler Murray is one of them. So his big win on Sunday is kind of maybe says it set the stage for Justin Fields playing really well down the stretch, but also helping out the bears um, even more feel like they're going to lock up a top three pick with that Panthers pick, no matter what them as a franchise does. And then I think obviously with the Patriots losing uh, that, that hurt a little bit. Uh, with the Bears, because I think the Patriots and the Giants are now the other two teams with the Panthers that are are absolutely the the abysmal teams of the NFL. I think the Cardinals and the Bears arrows are pointed back up because their quarterbacks are coming back. But the I'm telling you what the Panthers, Giants, and the uh, and the uh, uh, Patriots are just abysmal right now, 
And uh, I, at this point in time, I don't see how those three teams don't end up in some sort of order. One, two, three, obviously, then with the Bears taking the Panthers pick. Yeah, let's get to that game with the Patriots uh, falling to the Colts 10 to six, a brutal game. This was for uh, many reasons, but uh, this ended in bizarre fashion as well. Yet again, the Bill Belichick versus his quarterback, <laughs> Mac Jones saga continues. You mean, and maybe mean, it's it ended, like who knows? In uh, bizarre fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Mac throws a, a terrible pick late in the fourth quarter. And then he is subsequently benched for the final drive of the game with a chance to uh, go down and, um, get get the game winner. So they put Bailey Zappi in, and uh, just they they and then the, to roll Mac Jones out for the presser afterwards. It's like yeah. Mac's throwing this guy to the wolves at that point. Of course, all of the questions come out if you know if he has the trust of Bill Belichick, and you know the the answers for from both Mac Jones and Bill Belichick were obviously telling in that they don't really want to talk about this at all. But the writing's on the wall. Bill Belichick does not like his quarterback. Doesn't want uh mac jones and and to be fair mac jones has not earned any of this uh you know um respect for on the field play. Yeah. it just hasn't been good either well i'll say in defense of mac jones three offensive coordinators in three years in the league yeah that's you have a, yeah. a dearth of weapons for sure but that doesn't stop you from making bad decisions like he's i mean obviously that interception at the end was just so ugly so bad and even if you have a lack of weapons, there's ways to still be efficient, move the ball, and show that you are the guy and it's your weapons that are failing you, right? Like Joe Burrow lost a game yesterday, but he's still the guy because you watched him ball out and he had a receiver, Boyd, drop a ball, a very a catchable ball to help him help his team win that game. Didn't happen. He loses the game. Um, so I, I think it's the writing was on the wall. What I took mainly from this game, two things. Shane Steichen... And that Colts team, man, that is a well-coached team. And they are going to be really fascinating and fun to watch when Richardson is healthy and how he really elevates this team or how they can incorporate what they're building right now as a culture with their superstar talent in Anthony Richardson. Um, so, And I feel like a little bit like in this weird way, the pressure is going to be on Anthony Richardson. Like this is a five and five team. Like, this team is proving yeah, they like, have a chance. Yeah, they're, it's like they're proving that like, hey, we can kind of do this without you if we play this scheme system way. So is this a little bit of that? You know, the Niners when they added Trey Lance when they get him back, does it work or not? I, I think there's gonna be a, a, an odd little amount of pressure on Anthony Richardson when he comes back because the Colts have looked as good as they've looked as far as writing them off and finding a way to get to five wins. And then on the opposite side, yeah, the Patriots, man. This is this is the you know the fall of the Roman Empire. I mean, this is you know McDouble's now cost three dollars. Like we are watching the decline of the Roman Empire. We are we are living in it in America right now. McChicken for three dollars and nineteen cents. It's you know it's un-American. We are we have lost our way. We're fallen. And the Patriots are that right now too. They are. This is I mean the absolute decline. And I. I will say at this point, it feels like Bill Belichick is basically saying like, I don't care what happens to me anymore. It feels a little bit like he, but he's not going to go down babying Mac Jones. Like he's, he's going to throw him under the bus. And that's exactly what he did by benching him. in that final series, that is him throwing him under the bus, knowing he's got the media obligations and all those things. And uh, I mean, you saw Bill Bryan just berate Mac Jones in the side. Oh, yeah. They, they're done. Like, 
there. Yeah. So they're done with him. Mac Jones, I think, has a future as an NFL quarterback. He doesn't feel like a guy who's too big to be a backup or doesn't feel like he'd be too much of a distraction to be a backup. Um, and I think in, in certain systems and places, he could be a really nice bridge quarterback, kind of like Mitch was for Kenny last year. Like, I think Mac, I don't think Mac Jones is done done, but it, the days of Mac Jones being the guy that you just write in as your starting quarterback and you build around him, I I think we've seen the end of that in a colossally bad interception late in the game. Um, I mean, the Patriots are terrible. They still had a chance to win that game, and that was an uh, just such a gross interception to lose that game. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, and the AFC South is now fascinating to me no, I, because I mean, the Colts are gosh, in it. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about the Jaguars coming up, but I mean, the Texans, the way they're playing, and the Colts. I mean, everyone's now within a game or two of that division lead, whereas Jacksonville had an opportunity this past week to really create some separation and also put their stamp on the league in terms of saying, you know, we're, we're we can beat up uh, really good teams as well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and unfortunately for them, uh, that was not the case, but yeah, it was uh, a fascinating situation in both the uh, AFC South and the AFC North um, as well. And so we'll get to the game that kind of impacted both the Texans at the Bengals and the Bengals, fall 30 to 27 as CJ Stroud once again puts up great numbers. He had one bad pick in this game, but he's able to rally the troops and get them. They're one of the one of those game-winning uh situations uh that we mentioned, one of the five games that went down to the last second and uh Matt Amendola boots through a 28-yard field goal to get them the win, but CJ Stroud uh was the guy that kind of helped get them to that point and engineer the the comeback and you mentioned uh, Tyler Boyd uh, dropping a touchdown pass to where the Bengals had to settle for a field goal really would have changed the dynamic of yeah. the end of that game for sure. But then Tyler Boyd also made an incredible catch for like a, you know, 60 yard gain uh, on the drive prior. So it's like, you know, or on, eh, that actually may have been the same drive. So it, it's tough to uh, tough to say what would have happened, uh, you know, yeah. if he catches that ball. But yeah, I, ultimately brutal loss for the Bengals because Cincinnati obviously put themselves in a hole gets Joe Burrow exactly back right. and they had been playing so great. Um, they, this was a game, you know, and, and again, this is, these are losses in the, in the conference. The, these matter. They, these will come back to bite you. Same with the bills. Like they've been losing games that are in conference. Like you can't afford if you're going to have a bad loss for it to be an AFC opponent. It's just, uh, it, it stings that much more. And with how competitive the AFC North has been, this was a, a tough loss for the Bengals. Obviously they're going to be, okay they're a good team but it's gonna really hurt them in terms of fighting for that uh you know division crown especially with how well the raven ravens have been playing and uh and and pittsburgh and and the browns too so uh meanwhile the texans we just mentioned it are really pushing now for the afc south crown let's forget about all these preseason notions uh that is out the window the texans are playing very good ball C.J. Stroud, dare I say, is playing at an MVP-style level. Let not Don't even talk about Rookie of the Year. That should be already penciled in. So very impressive what we're seeing from Houston, just the culture and everything in D'Amico Ryan's first year at the helm. And uh, the Bengals, this is going to be one of those where you got kicked in the teeth a little bit. Uh, it was a close game, but you're going to have to rebound and, and come back with a, a win very soon. Otherwise, this division could get away from you and all of a sudden you're you're scratching and clawing uh, to get one of those wild card spots. 
You, you mean you nailed it? I mean, you said everything really. There's uh, what about uh, the Bengals? Yeah, I went out a little. Well, no, but I mean the Bengals. You did. I mean that's. I mean the Bengals are the Bengals. Absolutely. When you start slow, I mean last year they started slow, but then I think they won like ten in a row. It was something crazy. Like they, you, you give yourself very little margin for error. I don't think there's anything to panic if I am a Bengals fan losing to a very feisty talented up and coming Texans team on the road in the way they did. They were the, if you look at the injury report, they were missing Hubbard. They were missing Higgins. Like they, they certainly weren't in full strength. And, and, and so that's a problem for the Bengals too. Like you gotta be in a healthy position to, to win games, especially on the road. Um, I'm not panicking from the Bengals yet because you still have important games coming up against your own division uh, with the AFC North, some big ones that'll really decide everything, like Thursday night coming on up, Bengals uh, Ravens. That is going to be a colossally Huge. important football game coming up this week, and finally a Best really great Thursday night football game of the yeah. year, finally too, uh, yeah. and with real implications. So that is that's really exciting uh, for us as fans. So I'm not panicking yet. Depending on what happens Thursday night, Bengals fans could be in a real, real trouble. Um, I'll say this: as far as the Texans go. Do I want to go as far as saying MVP for CJ Stroud? I, I will say this. If you look at the numbers of quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Dan, it's not impressive. Tua leads the league in touchdown passes with 19 through 10 games. Um, you know what I mean? Like no, no one's having the 35, like Patrick Mahomes won an MVP with 50 touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like no one's having a year like that at all. Kirk Cousins yeah. is second in the NFL with 18 touchdowns. Uh, and obviously he's already missed two, basically two games uh, and, and is not going to play the rest of the season. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, uh, 18, 17, 17 touchdowns, you know? And so when you look at CJ Stroud, 15 to two, his importance for the team, I, you can make the argument, but I, I would rather at this point in time, if, we're going to talk about MVPs in a, in a kind of a weird down quarterback year as far as big numbers. Um, I think there's some other interesting, maybe defensive candidates and players like that. You can make the argument for like, oh, they're maybe it's time. Maybe it's a chance to give them an opportunity. Uh, That'd to be win great, an, but the NFL is not going to do it. Yeah. To win yeah. an MVP. So I, I don't want to get into that, into that mudded conversation too much. I'll just say this Texans fans right now, cherish it, enjoy it. Uh, thrive on it because you never know what can happen after a rookie year, right? We saw RG three have a miraculous rookie year. I mean, he won rookie of the year over Andrew luck. We saw uh, Herbert have a miraculous rookie year. And then uh, it's been nothing but mediocrity for his team since then and, and frustration. So enjoy it, have fun with it and hope that the culture and the base that you're building is something to build off of. It feels like it is because there's a lot of young players. It's a young culture. Uh, everyone feels like to, it, kind of this weird us against the world mentality. And Stroud is playing really, really electric football. Uh, but they are absolutely alive in the AFC South because uh, the Jaguars are absolutely on uh, phony alert. I mean, they uh, they got you know the pants on that na and national yeah. TV and embarrassed. And it was a chilly day when they got pants. I mean, it was like, that's, that's the kind of embarrassment they're struggling with right now in Jackson. 
The Minnesota Vikings at home with Josh Dobbs finally getting to know some of his teammates' names. What and, a win! Uh, having a locker gets a win and uh, looks good. I mean, man, this is wild. It's almost making me think, like, man, the Steelers should have just kept Josh Dobbs all along and uh, not, you know, not shopped him around. But uh, the Vikings win twenty-seven to nineteen. Derek Carr gets hurt. His injury could be concerning here, but Jameis Winston does throw a couple touchdowns yep. uh, late in this game, including an amazing uh, touchdown catch by Chris Olave. Yeah. But uh, Josh Dobbs, you know, runs it in again. Engineers, you know, late heroics, uh, you know, already kind of establishing a, a rapport with TJ Hawkinson and company. So, you know, look out. The Minnesota Vikings are playing some good football and they're still six and four. So, you know, we'll get to the Lions uh, not to not too much longer down in this episode, but the NFC North battle could be an interesting one and shaping up. I mean, we thought once uh, Kirk Cousins we went down and the way they were trending, it was not, uh, yeah. yeah, not looking good for Minnesota. All of a sudden now uh, they are still very much alive in the, in the division uh, for the saints. They're at 500 starting to be a little concerning, especially if Derek Carr doesn't play. I just don't know where this team is going. Um, James Winston looked pretty good, so it's like I don't. I mean, maybe they're. I feel the opposite. Better hands. I, don't I know. feel the opposite. I, I'm. 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 I'm ready to say if I'm the Saints, like I would sit Derek for precautions and see yeah. how Jameis ha- handles a start because the offense moves better with Jameis Winston. Like he's willing. Jameis turns the ball over, but my God, he's what willing to give. He's risks. willing to yeah. give your. They, they have so many playmakers. He's willing to give the playmakers a chance, and so I, if I'm the same, if I'm a Saints fan right now, and I'm, I mean, I get it. You feel like you you got Derek Carr to, to as part of this all in move, but Jameis Winston, I feel like right now with this team, the way it's constructed, gives your team a better chance to win football games. I I, I oddly feel that way. I don't think least, that's crazy. At least it's crazy. more fun to watch too. Like I mean, it's just entertaining, yeah. more entertaining football. Uh, and but on the other side of this with Josh Dobbs, I'll say this: as a Bears fan, I love what's happening in Minnesota. I mean, I just I love it so so much. I just it like makes me so happy because this is the type of thing that gets Josh Dobbs the starting job next year, and then they have like this Geno Smith where it's just like, oh crap, wait, did we did we really invest in Josh Dobbs? Uh, why did we why do we do this? Oh, we really. We're putting ourselves behind eight ball, and they're winning, so they're not going to get a high pick. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I also, in in just football fashion, I love the story. I'm a, I'm a fan of Josh Dobbs and what he's doing and and everything. It's it's really fun to watch, and because because I still don't think Minnesota has a it certainly doesn't have a Super Bowl ceiling. But if they get Justin Jefferson back and Dobbs just this miracle run keeps going. There's nothing to say that Minnesota could not make a, a run as a wild card team. Absolutely. Sure. Especially yeah, in, in a NFC. conference like yeah. the NFC. So Definitely. it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And if you're Minnesota fans, again, roll with it, see what happens. Um, and then hopefully for all of us, rest end of the NFC North fans, they commit to Josh Dobbs and it sets their franchise back a couple of years. Uh, that's fine with me. Uh, and they don't find a way to team up Drake May or or Caleb Williams with those wide receivers and those weapons. That would be, uh, be a okay with this guy. Um, I will say in 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 finality, Kevin O'Connell. I mean, what do you say about him, the head coach of the yeah. Vikings? I mean, everyone's talking about Dan Campbell coach of the year. I totally get that, and I'd be very supportive of that. But how is he not right there? It's second. I mean, one in four. 
team left for dead. Justin Jefferson goes down. You kind of inspire your guys. Everything was going wrong for the season. Remember weeks two, three, four, we were talking about another one loss team in one score loss. It's opposite. Yeah. I mean, he has found a way to turn this around with a great, great coaching job. And, um, and, and listen, they're, it's not like they're going out there beating, you know, the Eagles and the, and the chiefs every week, but I mean, they're winning some games that are, it, it's surprising, frankly, with, with what yeah. they have in the situation they're dealing with. So credit to them. And I continue to pray that they fall in love with Josh Dobbs and they sign him to like a two, three year deal at the end of the year. And then Justin Jefferson's demanding a trade by week eight next year. That, uh, uh, that is truly what I, I just want full disclosure with the, our listening audience. That is what I, my brain is working on right now. Well, with some of these uh, candidates for coach of the year, I agree, Kevin O'Connell, in that conversation. Another person in that conversation, I think at this point, has to be Mike Tomlin, who <laughs> has gotten the Steelers now to six and Wild. three, despite uh, you know not much from his quarterback uh, at all. The Steelers pull out a 23-19 to gritty victory over Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but obviously it wasn't done because of Kenny Pickett and crew, no. but more so because of the run game that is starting to see that really starting to feel like it's getting some some wheels underneath it. Jalen Warren getting a lot more involvement. He and Najee Harris now have a, have formed a, a very good one two punch and the offensive line is seeming to get um, its legs under them. Uh, but still, the problems persist. Uh, and and as much, you know, as I've said all throughout the season that Matt Canada is, um, you know, someone I don't think uh, needs to have a, a long-term fixture with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we've, we've seen enough now of sample size with Kenny Pickett to where I am growing gravely concerned uh, as to whether or not he's the quarterback of the future for Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we're, I believe, 21, 22 games into his tenure, still willing to give it to the end of the year to get that full season and a half plus a couple games, sample size. Uh, but from what we've seen, I've it's just, um, it is, I will say, uh, discouraging. Uh, despite the win, they're 6-3. and three. I understand Kenny Pickett has yeah. uh, great moxie late in games and, and the fourth quarter uh, comebacks and the, you know, poise late uh, has been awesome. And, I, and I'm, you know, very encouraged by that. But the growth that we saw from uh, the you know first several games to the second half of the season last year was exponential with Kenny Pickett, and it hasn't carried over to this season. We've seen sort of a either a regression or a petering off uh, of his play, and so yeah, despite them winning twenty three to nineteen, I think that's awesome. I think Tomlin deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do with Little. Um, there's still a lot of concerning elements. This has a feel for me, Mark, of what the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers were able to do, where they went 11 and 0. Yes, right, I, and they were the only undefeated team. And agree, it was like, wow, agree. this is like very impressive, but it never felt right the whole yeah. time. You know, it always felt uh, like concerning each game, and I'm like, oh, that's great, we're winning, but man, this doesn't feel like a team that can win a playoff game. That's kind of how this Pittsburgh Steelers teams feel for me. Kenny Pickett has six touchdowns through nine games, and Kenny Pickett has uh, less touchdowns than Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Bryce Young, Garner Minshew, <laughs> Mac Jones has more touchdown passes. Um, yeah, uh, you know the guys he's ahead of the only Zach Wilson, 
That's terrible. Uh, D- Tommy DeVito has three. Okay, Tommy well, DeVito has yeah. three. Tommy DeVito has half of the uh, Kenny Pickett touchdowns. Andy Richardson, who played, I think, one in, 1.5 games this year, uh, has four or has three. Yeah, I mean, it's concerning. And again, I mean, what if we extrapolated even to since Kenny Pickett took over last yeah. year? He and, probably and, has the fewest touchdowns of any quarterback in that span. I will say this. What's concerning is they have a solid offensive line. They have really nice backfield now. They're developing that one-two punch. And they have a really nice tight end and two really good wide receivers. So well, Friar Muth hasn't played since like week one or whatever. He's oh, been okay. hurt all year. Yeah. That's, so that's uh, that we take him out. We'll of the edit that out in that, post. We're gonna edit that out in post. Yeah. So they had a really nice tight end. At one point in time, <laughs> what happened to Fryermuth? But I mean, regardless, do? they have what Pickens did he do? and Deontay Johnson. Now I need to know, know what I happened mean, to Fryermuth. Did he tear something? Well, uh, no, he had a he had a hamstring injury, and it kept lingering. And so they 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 waited to put him on IR. So it was like about two two to three weeks of trying to figure out if he can make a comeback. Then they just ended up putting him on IR when it looked like he was going to return. And so now I think he I think he he's about to enter the window as, or something. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think week twelve will be right. the first first uh, for him to come back. But yeah, I mean they have missed him for the vast majority of the season. But regardless, they've had Deontay Johnson, George yeah. Pickens, and those two backs you mentioned. So he's got I, weapons. Yeah, he's got. Yeah. And I, that's the I, I should have ended there. I should have pulled a Colin Coward and not started to name names and just say he's got weapons uh, and let you fill in the blanks. Uh, but. Yeah, I think it's it's obviously I 100% agree with you. It feels like that 11 and 0 Steelers team where you're like this is not going to end well. Eventually, it's going to end with a yeah. you know 44 to the 13 blowout in a wild card game. You know what I mean? Against a team that actually can score points. Um so we'll see, but for right now again, ride it, ride it and if I were a Steelers fan, I would continue to put my focus on the fact that our defense is making clutch plays when it matters and that your quarterback's not turning it over for only six interceptions. Mac Jones has 10. I mean, for only six touchdowns, Mac Jones has 10 touchdowns, but 10 interceptions. Like that's not Kenny Pickett either. Yeah. And so you, you again, Kenny Pickett's ceiling is probably the Kirk cousins S guys. We knew that when he got drafted, you know what I mean? Like his ceiling is the Dak Prescott type of Jared Goff type of guys, which is, like you're gonna win a bunch of games, you're gonna make. Yeah, even he's got to get Bowl. there still. Yeah, but he's got to get there, and you know you got to develop a lot around him. And again, it still feels like the offense hasn't developed it. On the flip side, for the Packers, what a what a bad bad loss for Green Bay. They lost three in a row. They they eke out a win, and then they and then boom, right back into the losing. And again, what does Green Bay do well? Yeah, like exactly. they're not, I mean, and the run game has been very eh all year. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs have both had these flashes, but nothing consistent. And a lot of it is Jordan Love. There was a ball that should have been intercepted. That was a really bad ball behind a receiver across the middle at one point in time. There was an ugly, ugly throw. Uh, obviously the late interception, You he had a chance to win that game. And yeah a really ugly throw over the middle into traffic that you just can't make when you've been studying tape and in the NFL circles for that long. 
And it was funny earlier on the broadcast, one of the announcers was saying like, Oh, he, Jordan Love made a throw through to like through uh, the, a, a hole in the guard center is only like a 10 yard, just dump off to the running back. But it was kind of this weird laser sidearm. And it was really Aaron Rodgers esque off platform, just kind of like boom. Yeah. And in a way, maybe Aaron Rodgers is the worst person for you to learn behind. Aaron Rodgers was perfect to learn behind Brett Favre because Aaron Rodgers is just as talented as Brett Favre, if not more talented. Yeah, but if you can improvise. As, but if you're not as talented as Aaron Rodgers and you learn behind him and you're just like, you're watching that film for four years, like digesting it, and you're in practice with a guy who's just off platform and you're just, you know, let's be honest, Jordan Love for, for three years has known he's not starting. Like, I, I, you know, it's not to say that he hasn't been maybe working his butt off, but you know, you maybe get creative. You you think, oh, in practice I can do this. In practice I can do that. I like. I don't know if they just uh, too long on the bench, too late on the bench. But the Packers, they're in they're in a world of hurt. I mean, they have what do they have going for them positive right now as far as what they do well identity wise? I don't know it. And they have a quarterback who looks very much below average. He looks very much like he belongs more with the Mac Joneses and less with the C.J. Strouds. The only benefit for the Packers in this situation that they do have going for them is that they don't have a ton of money tied up in Jordan Love. It's not like yeah, they committed absolutely. to the guy long-term. But you got to like, make the like decision. Like the Giants did with Daniel Jones, right? So, like, that's the thing. The Packers can't do what the Giants did with Daniel Jones. You just can't do it. So, yeah. And, I mean, he's 14 uh, touchdowns, 10 interceptions through 10 games. I mean, he's averaging a pick a game. Yeah. That's way too much. And those for a, touchdowns, those first two games where he threw three touchdowns each. He you know, if you six, take out a couple. He had six in uh, two weeks. Yeah, exactly. So you, you take that away, and he's playing some really bad ball in now, the last six weeks. There know? are a lot of quarterbacks coming out in this draft that are getting a lot of praise. Um, we'll we'll start mm -hmm. talking about them more. Uh, to be honest, my gut says there's only three names that I tr I, I'm actually really trusting in. People keep listing off four or five other guys beyond the big three. I, I'm so I'm just letting everyone know right now when we get to that point, I'm having a lot of trouble digesting the JJ McCarthy's of the world as a first round pick. It seems very like a disaster waiting to happen. If you're, if you're asking me, I I'm confident with Caleb. I'm confident with Drake. I think Michael Penix can make every throw. I like those three guys. There's not a lot I love beyond those three. Just yeah, want to put yeah, that out that's, there. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that, it'll be an interesting offseason for us uh, to discuss because the the quarterback class is the you know best we've had in a few years for sure. Yeah. So uh, really looking forward to, to seeing how those things shape up. Uh, the Buccaneers at home against the Titans get a win. So now Tennessee is three and six. Brutal. Uh, now it's just, you know, definitely got to see what you got in Will Levis, I think, moving forward. Yeah. Buccaneers, though, four and five. They are now staying afloat. They're a game out from, you know, taking the lead in the NFC South. So, look, I mean, the Saints uh, losing again. This is good stuff for Tampa Bay. Hopefully for them, Baker Mayfield, uh, his thumb isn't a long-term problem, uh, but he did injure his thumb. And so that's a, a questionable return for him this upcoming week. But they win 20 to six. And so the Bucks kind of just uh, staying afloat right now. And they still very much have an opportunity to take this division, especially if their car is hurt. And, and if the saints, you know, uh, start to to fumble their way through the next few weeks, uh, the opportunity is there for Tampa to strike. 
Yeah, the the Bucks. I'm done trying to predict what the Bucks should do and what they, they will do. Hard, yeah, I'm done. Like I on my Saturday show, I was like, that is, this is the point in time where the Bucks fall apart and Will Levis on the road. I think he's gonna score, and it, you know, and I predicted the Titans to win, and it's like I'm done. Like I'm just done trying to predict the middle of the road teams and figuring out what they're gonna do. I, and I'm just said I'm just gonna stick to reacting to what I watch. And what I watch is a Bucks team that you forget how many veterans they have on this team. And there's a lot of, of veteran talent. It's one and played in a lot of big games. And these are all dudes that are playing for their future that are playing for, uh, you know, whether it's with Tampa or somewhere else. And they're, they're definitely in a weird way. They feel like motivated to win the division. They feel very motivated to win that division and I I don't blame them at this point in time with the way the division is shaking out. It's so for winnable, the Titans, yeah, yeah. For the Titans, I like they're doing exactly what they need to do: invest in Levis, let the kid play, let him make mistakes. I thought there was again a lot of good, a lot of shaky, but that's what you expect from a rookie. He's having the more traditional rookie season. CJ Stroud's on this insane trajectory. Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson are on like the opposite end of the trajectory of what you want your rookies to do. Levis is having that, you know, kind of traditional rookie season. He didn't start to start the year, got his opportunity, made the most of it. Now he's going through the learning, the learning pains, the growing pains. Um, listen, losing games as a Titans fan right now is, is a good thing. It seems like you have your quarterback. There's a lot of talent at the top of the draft. If you can find your way to getting a, a top eight pick um, and, and, um, and knowing that there's going to probably be three quarterbacks in the top five, that means there's a lot of offensive linemen, wide receiver weapons, and people that you could start. You could you could find some real talent to add to that roster uh, for your young quarterback. So not the worst thing in the world if you're a Titans fan to just start, you know, continuing to urge on good play from Levis, but L's in the column. Yeah, and uh, another L in the column for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ugh. who were dealt a massive blow by the. San Francisco 49ers who are now resurgent once again. We'll get to that in a moment after a word from our sponsor, Durham Remodeling. Serving the Quad Cities area since 1973, and with over 50 years of excellence on their track record, you'll see why it's so easy to trust their experts when it comes to all of your home improvement projects. This family-owned business has you covered on all your needs. Protect your home or building from the elements today and get great roof repair services. Need new windows? No problem. Durham Remodeling can upgrade your windows and doors. Whether you want to upgrade the little details in your home or office, or want to tear a room down and start fresh, the expert contractors at Durham Remodeling have your back. Even the smallest changes can completely transform your space. Ready to start entertaining your friends for backyard barbecues? Durham Remodeling will help you plan, design, and build your deck and patio for the perfect outdoor space. Durham Remodeling's work is 100% guaranteed, so you can rest assured that you're getting the best service around. Call 309-786-6715 today for your free estimate for all your roofing, siding, flooring, windows, and painting needs. That's Durham Remodeling, 309-786-6715. Well, we mentioned a little bit last week how Trevor Lawrence wasn't, um, you know, lighting up the scoreboard like we envisioned he would be uh, going into year three in his NFL career. Um, 
And in fact, he was the big reason that they lost this game this past week against the San Francisco 49ers, three turnovers for Trevor. And um, it is starting to feel like it, like Jacksonville may be one of those smoke and mirrors types of team type of teams where it seemed that everything was on the upswing and all of the, uh, the, the, the perfect makings were in place for a dynasty yeah. to start workable to schedule too. And uh, look, man, I mean, we have been super high on Trevor Lawrence since before he even entered the NFL. We've talked about how great uh, instinctually he is, how he has all of the physical tools, and he does. He took a huge step forward last year with Doug Peterson, had an epic comeback playoff victory, and it just seems like uh, things have regressed a little bit. So I think it's fair for us to kind of start to call out um, the potential for Trevor Lawrence uh, to – you know, and and I still believe fully in him. I'm sure you do too. Um, but this has been a really rough go, uh, really all season long, and he hasn't been able to overcome things to kind of make it the reason they win a game is oh I'm carrying the team to a victory. It just hasn't been the case. They they've had a great run game. They've had a very opportunistic defense this year, and so that is troublesome. And when you come against a a, a team that's got the best defense in the league. Uh, we see what happens. Uh, no touchdowns, just three points um, for this Jacksonville offense and just a, a brutal game all around for everyone involved as San Francisco on the flip side, Mark, uh, completely looked refreshed and, uh, and yeah. resurgent, as I had mentioned, uh, putting up 34 points. Brock Purdy and company looking great, uh, even though Christian McCaffrey's uh, touchdown streak ended at 17 games, he's the only 49er it appeared to not be able to score in this game. But yeah, I think San Francisco has once again kind of catapulted themselves into the we're the class of the NFC type of conversation, uh, whereas Jacksonville uh, is now starting to feel like, ooh, maybe they aren't as big of uh, championship contenders as we once thought. Yeah, I I I'm so disappointed in Jacksonville. I wanted, we all wanted this to be right. Like we want, I, I, I picked Jacksonville plus three. I was like, God, they're getting three points at home off a yeah. bye. you know, getting healthy. They, they don't, and I don't think them. we would have been shocked if they lost the game, but it's no, how they lose, lost. Right? I said, I, mean, I even said on, on my show on Saturday, I was like losing to the Niners is nothing to be ashamed of. But yeah. and and I felt like they even had a good opportunity to win the mental game because it felt like the pressure was all on the Niners to win a game. They lost three in a row. Everyone's questioning their quarterback. They had to go out and get Chase Young and, and be aggressive to kind of quell, you know, the the columnists and everything. And man, that was embarrassing. It was bad. They were sloppy. They were their offensive line isn't great. And and I don't want to make excuses for Trevor. But that's tough. I mean, yeah, it's tough it to battle. play behind a bad offensive line. But nine touchdowns in nine games for the number one overall pick, the guy who was supposed to be the second coming. You know, a lot of these uh four these guys who are the the recent, you know, next Andrew Lux have have had rough goes. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has not looked great. Heisman winner, uh Kyler Murray's had a very rough start to his career, number one pick. Heisman winner Bryce Young has obviously had a very bad start to his career, number one pick. Um, and, and you know, it makes you wonder a little bit about Caleb Williams, undersized, move around, improvised guy, number one, you know, potential number one pick Heisman winner. Um, and just, it's it, it's been bad. It's been bad. It just, and it's hard in the NFL. It just shows it really you how hard is. the league is, right? Yeah. And 
you know, he has an opportunity to the, the season's not over. They're still in first place in their division, but he's got to ball out. He's got to start balling out. He's got to start, you know, producing in a way to where it's like, oh, he is putting his team on his back because yeah, well, listen, he's Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, even in his worst game in the Super Bowl, where he had no offensive line. And he was going up against a Tampa defensive line that was one of the best in the last 20 years in the NFL. And he was getting eaten alive in the Super Bowl. The dude still battled his butt off, and you still felt like he was going to put his team in a great position. And that was young, young Patrick Mahomes. That was year three, Patrick Mahomes. So for Trevor Lawrence, I need to start seeing that effort. I need to start feeling that. And I don't, he's not an emotional guy which I think is a good and a bad thing. It's a little bit like Herbert where you just don't, they're level headed. I think that's yeah. good because I think it means they don't make big mistakes and they don't make huge, huge mistakes, but I need to see more killer instinct and I'm not seeing it right now. And you get punched in the mouth like that. And I don't see the grit, the fight, the determination to at least get a touchdown on the board and keep scrapping and clawing. It did. There was none of that. I was very, very disappointed in Jacksonville. Um, and, uh, like I said, for the Niners, this was such a huge win for them. Such a get right game on the road. I really felt all the pressure was on the Niners. Purdy played well. Everyone seems to be healthy. Everyone got involved. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk all got involved. Williams is back. McCaffrey's dealing with a little bit of a lingering oblique issue. He didn't look quite himself a hundred percent. Um, but. This Niners and, oh, team. Oh, yeah. They added Chase Young, you know. Yeah. This <laughs> Niners team is, is officially back on uh Super Bowl, Super Bowl watch hundred percent. It's kind of bizarre, man. I, I feel like we could end up with the exact same championship game matchups this upcoming I agree. year. With maybe you swap out the Bengals for the Ravens or something like that. But uh yeah, I mean it's just shaping up, especially in the NFC. 49ers and Eagles are so far ahead of the pack in the NFC. That it's kind of it's it's kind of a joke. I would point. put them so far way. ahead of the Lions. I, we'll get to the my Lions. Okay. I would say okay. I, I would say that so way, but... far ahead. I think the problem is yeah. I'm having right now. The Lions defense is not performing like they were early in the year. The Lions defense has to start keeping up their end of the bargain a little bit more. I agree with you. I think there's a, there's fair. some That's separation fair. right now, but I wouldn't say so far ahead. It would not shock me if the Lions. Uh, especially because th I think they could end up with, with you know, a better record than the Niners. If that game's at Ford Field or something like that, it wouldn't shock me if the Lions beat the Niners. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think I'd probably relinquish that statement a, a little bit and uh, and and put the Lions in that conversation for sure. Yeah, they they deserve that. They've been really good. Uh, the Browns deal the Ravens with a, uh, a big blow in a 33-31 win. Another one of those uh, walk-off game winners. Deshaun Watson, uh, again, starting to put some things together here. Uh, obviously, it wasn't uh, all roses uh, for him in this game, but he's playing one of the best defenses in the league. And so uh, pairing that with a divisional matchup is always going to present some issues. But I thought Deshaun Watson overall played pretty well, especially late in this game, to help get the Browns back in position to win this. And Lamar Jackson didn't have a good game. We saw two of the best defenses uh yeah. in, in, on the field in this one and it really showed uh you know Jackson was baited into two picks in this game and so overall very good kind of toe-to-toe AFC North battle physical game and really what this spelled for me was the Ravens 
uh, had an opportunity to get to eight wins, eight and two. I feel even as competitive as the North has been, I feel like eight and two would give them just enough wiggle room to where I would feel confident and comfortable saying, okay, we can, we can afford a bad loss moving forward and still, you know, feel comfortable with the division. That is no longer the case for Baltimore, especially with the Bengals coming up, both teams now coming off of a bad loss. This is a huge game. As you said, I mean, if the Bengals win this game, the Ravens no longer have remotely a stranglehold on this division that they have had the first half of the season. And for the Browns, uh, you lose that game, go to five and four. It's starting to feel a little bit hopeless because of the losses in division. You lost to Pittsburgh. You lost to Baltimore. Uh, That's those are tough to come back from because now you have to win like three games in the division moving forward. And that's tough, but you start to stack division wins or get one against the, the leaders. This now puts you in a prime spot. And so the Browns right now in third place, but like, really in a tie for first with everyone it feels like so huge win for the browns and kind of a tough loss for the ravens but they have an opportunity here in uh three days to rectify that i said last week one of the reasons why i love the ravens so much is because they're winning games without lamar having to be superman it's time for superman that was a game where superman had to show up and he did and and let's be honest now now i'm concerned because now it's like all right have I seen Lamar be Superman at all this year? No. And then when they really needed him to put the cape on, he had the costly interceptions. And now you look at his stats, you say 10 touchdowns through 10 games. And you had a 14 point lead at home against a division rival. And you, you let them back in the game. Now I get it. Defense gives up points, but you're turning the ball over. You're not putting, you're not, you know, able you're to not, close out that game. Cause. Yeah, yeah, you're not able to close out that game. That's a concern. It's a real concern. The the AFC North is the one division where I literally can say to myself, if a, the team is playing another team in that division, it, it's a coin flip. Like honestly, like choose, the underdog will probably win. Like honestly, whoever's yeah. whoever's the non-favorite in Vegas's eyes, bet them to win because it just seems like they read the plus you know, the press clippings extra hard that week. And they scrap and clawed fighting and they upset the team. So I'm waiting to see who's the underdog in, in Bengals versus Ravens before I bet that game. And I'll bet the underdog. As far as the Browns go, I mean, that was their season on the line. Down big early. And everyone's talking about they were down 14. But it was bigger than that earlier in the game, right? Wasn't it like 14 nothing, 21-3 or something like that? I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was 21-3. Uh, let me check. Um, it was It was a gut that. check moment. And, and as bad as Watson played to start the game, credit to him and Stefanski. They did not give up. They clawed their way back into that game. They put the pressure on Baltimore's offense. And Baltimore's offense could not convert and make the big plays when they needed to late to continue drives, to not turn the ball over, to get extra field goals or points to secure a victory. And so, uh, I mean, a a season-altering win for Cleveland, if they can make a run here now and, 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 and put string together some wins and find their way into the playoffs, we'll look at the second half turnaround for them in this game as the moment when it all started. Yeah. So the Baltimore was up 17 to nine at the half and then they were up, they were up 24 to nine to start the third quarter. I knew and it then, was sizable. Yeah. And then, and then the Browns come back, make it 24, 17, and then Baltimore makes it 31, 17. It's like, okay, they're, they're creating the separation. Uh, but then the fourth quarter happened and it was, you know, three straight, um, 
you know, scoring drives for the for Baltimore that uh, ended up resulting in this. Um, but yeah, the the pick six was massive. That obviously changed the tides entirely uh, and made it thirty one to thirty. And the rest is history after that with the game winner and such. But yeah, massive game. And you know, I think the one encouraging sign for the Ravens is that the emergence of Keaton Mitchell yeah. might actually show like okay we've got a legit running back that we can lean on that can be that can break games wide open right because they've had amazing run games pretty much since I've been a a fan of the league right but yeah they it's been a while since they've had like the go-to running back they've had to do committee approaches with injuries uh if Keaton Mitchell can be the uh Devon Achan that the you know that the Dolphins saw earlier this year moving forward then Baltimore has another dimension to their team right um, and then as for the Browns, if this chemistry continues, if Deshaun Watson is really starting to put something together, uh, then that's obviously a concern for the North and the rest of the conference too, because Before we move got on, such a good defense. Last thing I just want to ask you today, if I were to say who wins the AFC North, who are you going with? That is very tough. I still, I, you know, I feel like the Bengals, I feel the most confidence in only because I think Burrow's the best quarterback, and I think that he finds a way uh, to get his team to that division crown, um, despite them currently being in fourth place. Um, I know. But that's just kind of how I feel. Um, I don't trust the Ravens overall because I I feel that they're going to lose these division games moving forward. The Ravens are a team I could see being two and four in the division at the end of the year. And to me, uh, that's not going to win you the division. If you're two and four in the AFC North, yeah. I don't see you winning that division. And so, uh, but the, the Ravens just don't play their division opponents terribly well uh, as of late. And so that concerns me. And, uh, and I, I'm just not sure where they go from here. Meanwhile, the Browns are just, they scratch and claw. The Steelers are, you know, feisty. I don't know, dude, it's, it is a, it really is a total toss up. I, I have no, this could go any which way. Um, yeah. But but as it is right now, uh, I, I'm I'm very you know comfortable believing that every team in this division is going to make the playoffs. Like I, I think I think all, every wild card team just comes from the AFC North. You know, un- unless the Chargers start to do some magical things, um, yeah. I mean that magical like firing their coach uh, that would be magical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the Cardinals had their return had the return of Kyler Murray and. Uh, you know, he obviously played overall pretty well. Uh, he moved well, that's for sure. Yeah. That was the most, um, you know, exciting thing to see from a Cardinals fan perspective was that he was moving around like the old Kyler Murray back there, but no touchdown passes from him. He did have the one interception, but he he ran a touchdown in as well and uh, overall helped engineer them back to a comeback victory in which they won as time expired, 25-23 to 23 over the Falcons. So, uh, for the Cardinals' sake, that did kind of have implications to where they fall in the draft order uh, this upcoming year. They're now two and eight. Uh, so right now, is it the Chicago Bears, right, that have the number one overall pick as it stands right now because the, of the Carolina Panthers situation? Meanwhile, the Falcons fall to four and six on the year, and they have more and more questions of, as to what their quarterback situation is. They are clearly yeah. going to have to be players for a quarterback this upcoming draft class. The Falcons, to me, when we talked about it last week and I mentioned my great Max Crosby Raiders trade for the, you know, on the Friday show, like trade for the Bears. Falcons are absolutely, I think, are going to be a player in, we'll offer you a primetime player, 
You know what I mean? And multiple draft picks to get a quarterback. And that would be uh, something I think would be a dream scenario for the Bears. I know our guy, I know our guy, Tyler Dawson, he he used to us on Twitter. His whole idea today was just draft Marvin Harrison number one or like draft a quarterback number one and then trade back up for Marvin Harrison, something like that. I'm still on, I still am on the firm belief of if you, the Bears end up with a one, two, a one or two pick, you trade it for as big of a haul as you can get. It includes an A, a current A player like they did with DJ Moore. The best thing the Bears have done in my, in, the, in my last five years is getting DJ Moore in that trade and extend extend this former this first round pick into more future first round picks next year. Anyways, regardless, I will say the Falcons. Yeah, they're lost right now. They're very lost, and they have a, they have talent. I still believe in Arthur Smith. I know there's a lot of Arthur Smith could get fired. I think Arthur Smith isn't the problem. I think there's some there's some issues overall, obviously, with the quarterback play. The defense is missing one or two elite pieces, like an elite corner, and then someone who's just like a like a dominant three technique in the middle, a little bit more of a run stuffing defense. And then, you know, obviously the quarterback is is the engine that makes everything go. And Heineke and Ritter, they're just not good. They're just neither of them are good enough for long enough uh, to to be competitive. And they ran into a, it was a bad scenario. The Cardinals were going to win that game if they were playing anyone who wasn't one of the top five or six games teams in the league. I really feel that way. There are sometimes just momentum things. You can just, it makes sense. Yeah. Kyler coming back. He's desperate. The Cardinals James have Connor been, returned. Yeah. The Cardinals have been scrappy all year, you know, with their win over the Cowboys. So I, I think that was a little bit of a buzzsaw move. And for the Cardinals, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're looking at it, obviously you have, you probably have a frustrating relationship with Kyler Murray, but he did lead you to the playoffs. It, he does feel humbled to me. You know what I mean? Like Kyler's trajectory was number one pick uh, him and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, an okay rookie season. And then a spectacular, get him to the playoffs sophomore year, you know, or, or, you know, by the third year makes the playoffs last year, then tears the ACL gets the big contract, the call of duty stuff. He feels very humble to me. You know what I mean? Like, and the way he played yesterday looked like vintage Kyler Murray uh, for the most part. So, uh, I, you know, I, if, if you're the Cardinals fans, I think again, kind of like the bears franchise right now is play it out. Like I don't, whether you're rooting for wins or losses, I root for, I, I'm lucky in the sense that we have the Panthers pick. So I can root for my team to win and also know that I have this other asset. But if I'm the Cardinals right now, I don't know if I'd be rooting for losses. I, I just don't know what, if that's the best thing for you right now. It feels like a franchise that right now just needs some positivity and having Kyler Murray as your quarterback when you already have him to a secure long-term deal and adding talent around him might be the way to go. Obviously, he's got seven games to kind of still prove that like Justin Fields has now. Mm. So these guys, the situations feel just so eerily similar for both teams and both quarterbacks. Yeah, they really do. I, I agree with that, actually, because I, I think Kyler Murray is the quarterback for this team uh, moving forward. I, obviously, they've paid him as such, but you know, they anyone can can get out from under it if they need to, and they could have drafted a quarterback uh, if they really wanted to and move on entirely. But if if they believe in Kyler as, you know, we're still going to rally around him, then try and win some games. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to make it yeah. outside of the top 10 at this point anyway. So you'll be able to get a, a, a really good player, whether it's a, another, you know, 
uh, tackle or something to protect him more or another weapon in the receiving game, um, you can do that. But yeah, the Cardinals... Uh, you know, things are the trajectory is moving up for that team and franchise. As you know, and they have the Houston pick too. remember, because Houston. Oh, traded that's for right. Yes. Yeah. So and now that pick is like in the teens because Houston's playing well. But so you can package they have two first round <laughs> you know. picks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you could get two really good players to add to a roster and build uh, if Kyler plays well and is your guy. Or maybe the play is you trade Kyler Murray. I think Kyler, if he plays well will have more trade value than like a Justin Fields. You might be able to get a second round pick for a Kyler Murray, whereas Justin Fields might only net you a third, you know what I mean? And, or a, a player in a third or something like that. So there's going to be a lot of flexibility for the bears and the Cardinals. And we're going to have a lot of talks about them in the coming, in the coming weeks. But I think both from my standpoint, I just want to watch both quarterbacks played on out. I hope they both stay healthy and I both they hope they have a chance to prove it. And if they don't, then they don't, and you move on. The NFL moves on quickly. The Lions go on the road and get a, a walk-off victory on a 41-yard field goal to the Huge. against the Chargers, 41-38. to 38. It wasn't pretty for the Lions, but Jared Goff engineered uh, quite the game here for, the, for this team, and uh, they had the return of David Montgomery, a lot of bright spots for Detroit in this yeah. game. Uh, their defense obviously gave up 38 points. You never want to see that, but at the end of the day, they had the – game-winning drive that resulted in the field goal to, to catapult them to 7-2 and two on the season. And on the flip side for L.A., uh, they fall to 4-5 and five and now are very much on the outside looking in once again. Uh, there may not be a hotter seat in the league right now than Brandon Staley, given how uh, much talent this team has and how underperforming they've been, especially when the defense consistently year in and year out has been poor, despite Brandon Staley, that being his yeah. side of the ball. We've said it. They should fire him. I mean, like at this point, it's 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 bad. Like it's really bad. This team has way too much talent to be making. Like, and it's not like like the Bears are bad, and you watch them, and it's like, oh, they're just so poorly coached. This is it's like there's no coaching. Like guys are wide open on the back end of that defense, and it doesn't. There's doesn't seem to be any inspiration or fight or. Uh, rah rawness, like there's he's zero percent Dan Campbell, and um, when yeah, you're not much cohesion, yeah, and when your quarterback is a non-verbal, non-emotional guy, like Jared Goff is, and like you know, you need a you need an emotional leader of men, and and Brandon Staley's just not it, and, and it's a bad loss for the Chargers, really bad loss for them and their chances to make the playoffs. Great win on the flip side for my Lions. This Lions team is a team that is finding ways to win. I love it because, like, it reminded me a lot of the Seahawks game. For the majority of the game, it's like the Lions are the better team, but, gosh, their defense is just having a bad day. And at the end of that Seahawks game, what happened? They lost it. This was the opposite. Yeah. At the end of this game, they found a way to make sure they had the ball, they could kick the field goal. Dan Campbell going for the fourth down, cojones alert. Um, you know, he's he's a walking Stan Marsh meme. And um, I, I I really love watching this Lions team play. I hope and hope this Lions team can get to, you know, maybe not home field advantage throughout the NFC plays. It'd be great if they could. I just can't wait to watch, like, Lions hosting a team at Ford Field in the playoffs for the first time in so many years. It's going to be just electric. And I want it yeah. to happen so bad. No, that, that will be awesome. And as you mentioned, they play inspired football for sure. Keenan Allen have, also is a stud. 
He's very so good. We gotta, we gotta mention Keenan Allen. He did, did I mean nothing wrong with that offense for the Chargers. They they Kellen Moore is doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. And Quentin Johnston, the rookie, you know, had a, a big game himself. So he's yeah. starting to come along too. Um, just imagine you put Mike Williams in there and they yeah, they are absolutely a force. It's just unfortunate they can't get the defensive side to match that at all. The Giants go on the road and get absolutely just destroyed by the Cowboys. No surprise uh, to either of us here. The Cowboys are now six and three on the season with the 49 to 17 victory over the G men. Um, but yeah, this was kind of tailor made for that type of game with Tommy DeVito uh, starting at quarterback for the uh, New York giants. And um, you know, Dak Prescott had a nice five touchdown game against an inferior opponent. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we, we will keep seeing it until uh, until they make, you know, a championship game. Uh, it's just not a team that we're too confident in, I don't think. The New York Giants are in desperate need of a, of a top two pick. Like, they are now in desperation mode. They, they might need it more than anyone else because they need, absolutely need, to get a, a franchise quarterback. Like, they need it. They, they need it. They need Dable needs it. And they could turn around, I think, fairly quickly if they figure that out. But they are in desperate, desperate need of that. And they're also, I think, it wouldn't shock me if you're talking about a team trading up. Like, talk about a, a team that really needs, like, an elite weapon and an elite quarterback. Like, they're the team that desperately needs more than anyone you know, Caleb May, Caleb Williams, and uh, and Marvin and Harrison Marvin, Jr. Yeah, they yeah, like they need that double dip. They are sure. they are disgustingly bad uh, at moving the football, and um, I don't. Part of me is starting to question Dayball, but the other part of me just goes, "He what's he got to work with?" Yeah. They, and they and they failed so bad at the front office in that Daniel Jones contract, and they're we're seeing it in play out in front of our eyes. I mean, they were getting embarrassed for the, for the yeah. Cowboys again. Yeah. Don't believe in them, but Hey, they did exactly what they needed to do. They blew out an inferior opponent. Great. Check Mark, check in the box, move on. Good for them. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, the commanders fall in a devastating fashion for Washington to the yeah. Seahawks. 29. They're battling. They are. They're, they're, they're that feisty team for sure. Sam Howell had another big game. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to make of Washington's situation because they're it, it's very Ron Rivera, right? They're just good enough to like be competitive and get by, but they still need something to actually push them uh, on the tracks to where they can actually start to build some momentum yeah. as a franchise year over year. And uh, it just doesn't seem like that's happening. There's they're they're one of those teams that uh, will give you their best, and it's going to be a difficult win each week. But ultimately, yeah. they don't move the needle. And the Seahawks, this was kind of a must-win for them too, Huge. right? I mean, uh, to win, uh, to go to six and three now to really stay afloat in the NFC West was big. Obviously, they're playing in a in a lesser than conference, so you know the window for them to make the playoffs was still going to be open, yeah. Uh, even if they lost, but this was a big win for them to to get some more confidence again, because this team really had not been playing terribly well uh, throughout this season. Ken Walker, uh, you know, had a couple big moments in this game so they can get the running game, maybe back on track a little bit. Gino had some, you know, timely throws in this game, had 369 yards and two touchdowns. So it really felt like a get right game for Seattle. And, uh, you know, yes, they won in, uh, you know, down to the wire last second fashion, 
but you'll take a win anyway you can get it. And the fact that they're six and three, it's kind of like the Steelers. It's like, yeah, it doesn't feel great the way you've gotten here, but you're here and you're in the playoffs and you're still competing for the division crown. And so, uh, in in that regard, uh, you got to feel like you know Pete Carroll and company are are pleased at least in the situation they're in. Hey, they again they took care of business. We, we, the, the the commanders are doing exactly what we said after the trade, right? They are. They've, they've kind of waved the white flag, but also while wanting to see their young quarterback play well. And that's exactly what this game was all about. Drake May played, uh, not Drake May, <laughs> saying I, the other UNC quarterback, you yeah, know what I mean? Dra- uh, Drake May, Sam Howell, he played really well. Like he didn't, he didn't lose them this game. And you absolutely, I now feel like you build around Sam Howell. If you're Washington, you just need now to, you know, retool around him and, and, and probably make a change to the head coach. And then if you are the Seattle Seahawks, you did exactly what you need to do. You went, you beat a game, an inferior opponent came to your building. It was tough, but you found a way to win the game late. You played well offensively. Tyler Lockett, nice game from him. I feel like the first time we've talked about Tyler Lockett all season long. And then you're, you have everything in front of you. They play San Francisco two of their next three games. So you have it in front of you. Can you find a way to at least split with San Francisco and stay alive in this division. It'll keep you alive in the wild card. They're going to be a wild card team at this point in time. They're too talented not to be, especially in the weaker NFC. So now it's about can you stay alive in that division? Two of your next three are against the Niners. Aaron Rodgers has signaled a return by mid-December. <laughs> Somehow still floating these things out. Uh, but no. it might not matter because the New York Jets fall to the Raiders 16-12 uh, to 12 in a yeah. just a terrible Ooh. Sunday night football game. Not fun not at all. Um, Jets are now four and five. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know where they go with the quarterback position uh, at this point. It seems like you just have to stick with Zach Wilson, but like, well, that's what Robert to go to Trevor said. Simeon. Did you hear I know, that he quote? Keeps saying it. He, that oh, quote? no, I didn't hear Oh, it was one. a, he was no. on a, like a, a New York radio show. And this was after the, this was last week after the loss. He had said, basically the, they asked him one of the guys, the radio guys like, why not see what the other guys on, you know, Trevor Simeon, he's a pro, he's a veteran. Like, why not see what they look like in this, with this starting group? And literally Robert Sala had to say, you, he started to do like a coach speak, like, well, you know, it's just that. And he could just tell, he didn't know what to say. And he just said, I don't know. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Like basically saying wow. like, people have told him yeah. you're starting Zach Wilson, no matter what. So yeah. you're absolutely right. When you say that, it is they are in a they are in a situation where basically the ownership and the and the general it. manager basically said you got to play this kid he you're going to play him we're playing him no matter what and no matter how bad he is and i feel like it mo- at times in the last 2 weeks if they had maybe had anyone else if they had had Josh Dobbs if they had had Trevor Simeon even maybe maybe they win one of those two games and stay alive absolutely right yeah, well, at least two and zero for Antonio Pierce uh, in in Vegas. Good for and maybe, him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it's he's uh, earning the job. The the interim coach uh, getting two in a row. It's a it's a rare uh, thing to happen in the NFL. They I like his policy there. of letting the uh, practice squad guys on the sideline. I think that's cool. Oh for yeah, home games. yeah, yeah. Because yep. you know he's very much like they're part of the team. They do all the work, and most teams don't do that. I think that's a really like what a great way for an interim guy and like. He's got a Dan Campbell, Mike Vrabel, former player, passionate CEO type of vibe to him. Yeah, the he, players like him. And and yeah. I think at this point in time, you might be all that the Raiders can afford. 
Yes, for sure. Well, we've got a big Thursday night game, obviously, as we mentioned, the Ravens and Bengals coming up here in a couple days. So that should be very exciting. And then, of course, uh, another full slate of games as they become more and more meaningful uh, as we get well into the second half of the 2023 NFL season. So stay tuned for more episodes. We appreciate the follow, uh, any likes on on social media, and, uh, of course, YouTube and subscribing there uh, as well. Appreciate all the support from everybody and our sponsors. Uh, But for Mark, I'm Dan, and this has been the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan on our Week 10 recap episode. We'll see you back here for more action next week. (music) 